Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Well, for those of us, those of you who are um, first time you've been with us during Lent, during Lent we are going through the Beatitudes, that opening salvo of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, and. Uh, it's kind of difficult because particularly during these these seasons, um, the texts that were given in uh, the scripture readings are so potent and powerful. But there is definitely a connection between Jesus's words. If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. There's definitely a connection with the beatitude this morning. It seems to me that. Um, the beatitude we're going to, to think about this morning, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That this might be the most potent and subversive one for our moment and time. It might be the one that seems absolutely the most foolish. It might be the one that we react to the most. It's definitely the one this week as I was, um, as I was working through this, that I argued with myself the most. It probably is the one that I had to change my sermon notes the most. It's probably the one that, if there's just one that's really gonna hack you off, it might be this one. That tells me there's something here for us. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is the word of the Lord. I don't know that I've ever met someone who described themselves in a positive way with the word meek. If you were doing an online dating profile, <laughs> it probably is not going to make any of the descriptions that you add onto your list. This week I was just imagining some fellow typing away on his computer, probably late at night in his I don't know. Never mind. I won't go there. I could just imagine him saying, I'm tall. Some say I'm brawny. Above average IQ. I can whip a kitchen into a French bistro. I'm good with dogs, cats, children. I read 18th century novels. I have kind eyes. I have a steady job. I can chop wood for the evening fire 
while reciting poetry from the Renaissance. <laughs> and oh, I'm meek. It's almost cliche, it's interesting because if you've ever heard, you know, someone preach or talk about, it, this, is, this is the one we always explain away and we do have to re-understand it, but it's just a word we just don't like. We usually use the word meek in some way that suggests it's a character flaw. Or if not a character flaw, at least it's something that will prove ultimately to be a liability. We often think that a meek person hasn't owned their voice. They haven't stepped into their life with courage and strength. A meek person, we often surmise, is weak or underdeveloped or a person who just folds in on themselves. The word meek has a lot of connotations. It can mean gentle, moderate, humble, tender. I'm really drawn to the words humble and gentle. I think we could say that blessed are the gentle for they will inherit the earth. But that only helps us a little bit. Because in the way the world works, the gentle are the ones who are run over. The gentle are the idealists. The gentle are the ones who never really get anything done. The gentle are the ones that we never call in a crisis. We have to remember that the Beatitudes, and I just, I'm just not sure we will ever hear these Beatitudes properly if we don't get this. The Beatitudes are a blessing long before they're a command. It's passing a blessing, well-being, wholeness, favor, on precisely those people who in the way the kingdoms of this world work are absolutely not blessed. When it comes to this beatitude, they're the ones who are stomped on, forgotten, pushed aside, used. They are not blessed. And in to that reality, Jesus announces another kind of kingdom. And Jesus says that these people are abundantly blessed. Frederick Bruner said, these blessings do not first of all describe people with good spiritualities so much as they describe people in bad situations. As I tried to think this, this week about how we should hear Jesus's words, it seems that one way to think about the meek is how we are in relation to power. It's one of the words um, that we talk about as a community in our rule of life, our obedience to Jesus with our entire life, including our money, our sexuality, and our power. It seems like there's two kinds of scenarios that have expression for us of what Jesus had in mind. The first is the person who is just simply powerless. They're powerless because they are oppressed, because wrong has been done to them. Their power has been stripped away from them by someone who had lots of power. 
It is why in Scripture, over and over and over again, God is with the poor and the oppressed. It's because righting wrongs, coming alongside those who suffer, is one of the things that happens whenever God's kingdom is coming near. If you want to know how to be part of God's kingdom, well, one of the ways is you get near to those who are oppressed. Some of you probably read in the, in the news just recently how the tribe that was here in central Virginia, the indigenous people to the place that we call home, the Monacan tribe, how just in January they were finally recognized by the federal government as existing. Five other tribes were also uh, recognized. There's only about 2,000 Monacans left, most of them still in the central Virginia area. I have a picture here. I don't know if you guys have seen this. This is in northern Albemarle County where it shows the Monacan Indian village, the Manasukapana village. The, the, uh, the, the leader of the Monacan nation said uh, last week, after 10,000 years, it's nice to know that we actually exist. <laughs> Brendan's begun a new friendship with someone from the Monacan nation and was telling me this week, how she was saying that the nation is in a new place all of a sudden now. They're, tr they're actually in a space where they're thinking about their future. What, what might we become? Who might we be in this world? It is a, a tragic thing to think that there were hundreds of years ago, there were people who called this home, and it really isn't their home anymore. These are ones to whom Jesus speaks when he says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who've had their power taken away. Jesus didn't just create these words, like pull them out of his pocket. He's actually quoting a Psalm, Psalm 37, 11. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Of course, there are a hundred ways to have your power your vitality wrenched from you. Some of us have run up against hardship after hardship. Some of us here today have been silenced. Some of us here today feel like a ghost, as if you just pass through a room and no one sees. You pass through a friendship and no one sees. Some of us feel trapped in a dire situation. Some of us feel like we have no hope for the future. Some of us come to the end of all that we can do. And we are, in every practical matter, powerless. This is a, a tough place to be in 2018 America because we are the self-help nation. There's an entire industry, if not a national culture, that tells us that we can be anything we want to be. We can actualize our new future with the right tools, the right thinking, the right determination. And good tools and good thinking and dogged determination are generally very good things. But in the ultimate balance, they're not always enough. And some of us, maybe only a few of us, have experienced enough pain, enough heartache, 
to not believe those lines anymore. And there's a temptation at this crucible of pain. And the temptation is not to go to God, but to give in to despair or cynicism. And there is a word that Jesus speaks to you today if you are one of the powerless. And it is the word that the church must always speak into these places. In the kingdom of God, you are blessed. God says that those of us who are meek, those of us who are humble or gentle, will inherit the earth. That word literally means the land. And maybe we should say that, the land, because sometimes the earth in our vocabulary just has this grand, it's kind of like the globe, you know, it's like this massive reality. He's talking about the land. He's saying you will be given ownership that you don't currently have. You'll be given prominence that you currently don't enjoy. So there are those who are powerless because they are oppressed or beaten down in one way or another. And then there are those who are powerless in a certain sense because they have learned from Jesus to surrender their power to the kind yet always subversive rule of God. If you bristle against the idea of meekness, then we might actually have a problem with Jesus. It's Jesus who said it. It's Jesus who says just a little bit later in Matthew, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, most versions actually translate meek as gentle there. Maybe even our translators just can't stomach the word meek for Jesus. Jesus shows us what meekness and gentleness are. Whatever ideas we have about this have to come under Jesus because Jesus is the one who says, I am meek or gentle. Jesus is not someone who refuses to name wrongs. Jesus does not shy away from calling out false powers. Jesus is not someone who refuses to stand by a woman with powerful presence and gentle strength while the howling and rock-hurling horde foam at the mouth. But Jesus does absolutely refuse to use the weapons, the energies, the powers of this world. Jesus operates in an entirely different way, in an entirely different energy, because Jesus himself is the healer, the reconciler. Violence breeds violence. Violence does not heal. But we should make no mistake about it. Being gentle, it will get you killed. So if this is just about pragmatics, if we're merely talking about strategies and what in the short term works, pay no attention to this whatsoever. 
by Jesus' lights, the idea that meekness is for the weak is absolutely ludicrous. Gentleness is the strength of those who have surrendered their life to God and who do not fear death. Because Jesus, who is the gentle one, has already made possible a new humanity in that scandalous act of the cross. And it's a new humanity that will be true the entire world over when Jesus completes the work that we are beginning to enact now. That thing that we pray over and over again of heaven coming to earth. One theologian put it this way, the church seeks to help form people who can risk being peaceful in a violent world, risk being kind in a competitive world, risk being faithful in an age of cynicism, risk being gentle among those who admire the tough, risk love where it may not be returned because we have the confidence that in Christ we have been reborn into a new reality. Kavanaugh has this uh, line in one of his novels. He says, he was a man too gentle to live among wolves. And the meek, the gentle, will inherit the land. This is very physical. It's connected to the words that Jesus is speaking when very soon he will teach his disciples to pray for the kingdom of heaven to come to the kingdom of earth. For God's reality and perfection to make its ownership in the kingdoms of this world. And it's actually the earth, this ground that we walk in, this place that we call home, this place that bears our tears and our sorrows, this place where evils have been done, this place where we work for justice and righteousness and goodness, this place where we're playing, praying for God to heal. This is the very place where the meek will one day inherit the earth. Maybe it's only the gentle, the humble, those who've learned their own hubris and learned how all of life is grace. Maybe it's only those who can be trusted with the land. We've really butchered the land, haven't we? And what a ridiculous thing for Jesus to be saying. If you think it's ridiculous now, think about when Jesus said it. Into the very teeth of the Roman Empire, among a people who had very little power. In opposition to what everyone in the first century knew to be true, you only owned the land if you wielded the sword the best. And Jesus says this ridiculous thing, blessed are the gentle. J. Paul Getty, um, his life story or some of it was done in that movie, All the Money in the World. He said, the meek shall inherit the earth, but not its mineral rights. <laughs> the powerful think that Jesus' words are absolute poppycock. 
ridiculous. And Jesus says, in the kingdom that is coming, this is the way reality is. And again, the idea isn't so much for us to just go out and figure out how to be meek. And so then we get God's blessings. It's that God has released us from the fear of being gentle because we know that God's blessing is with us, even if we're gentle. There's nothing to fear. We don't have to fight for everything. We don't have to carve out our piece of the pie and elbow everyone else out. We can trust that the God of the universe is our God. And we can come across others in gentleness and we can be their friend and we can welcome them. This week, when I was thinking about this image, the images that came to mind were from a, a few years ago. Several of them came to mind. One was several years ago when all of the um, civil war was happening in the Ukraine and the civil war was happening and there was the government forces on one side and there was the militias on the other side. And I have several pictures of this Orthodox priest by himself in what was the most ridiculous thing standing in between these groups holding a cross. And there's not, there's not anger in his eyes. There is deep concern that this is not the way the world is supposed to be. And even if it costs me my life, I will stand in the middle and I will say no to the powers of the world. I had another image in my mind, the iconic images we've seen of the march on Selma. These, this, this is gentleness. So it's not weakness, it is immense courage, but it is refusing to take on the powers of the oppressor. It is refusing to be evil in response to evil. I remember the story I share with you guys, one of my favorite stories of Fannie Lou Hamer. When she was asked, she was notorious, uh, she was very well known for throwing these really great dinners. Um, and everybody wanted to eat at her table. And one time a a uh, reporter asked her this ludicrous question, named a couple of Klan's members who were very well known, and said, would you have them at your table? Well, Ms. Hammer was, uh, I mean, she, <laughs> she was a Christian, and so she had to grapple with this for a moment. And her response was, of course. They'd be welcome to eat at my table, but they'd have to have their manners. <laughs> they'd have to have their manners. Do you recall St. Paul's words? Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. I can't imagine a more timely word for our day. That's why I, maybe like you, often feel at odds with most of the dominant storylines that play out. I don't often enough see the subversive, can't talk, the subversive way of gentleness much anywhere. And I'm desperate for it. Someone who would lay down their life for another, lay down their life for a friend, and lay down their life for an enemy. Someone who believes in their bones that the kingdom of God will heal the world. Someone who is animated 
by that hope and conviction. Someone who knows that oppression is the way of death, but someone who also knows that the way of love is going to go counter to almost every natural impulse we've learned. It's a struggle to reconcile these blessings with the facts that present themselves to us on the ground, isn't it? There are many among us who endure mourning with no relief. There are some of you here who carry mourning with you, and you don't see the comfort. Many who fight injustice until their dying breath, and they didn't in their lifetime see that justice come to bear. There are those who are gentle, and the reality is, oftentimes, they just get squashed. The Beatitudes force us to choose what and who we believe. This is not the story of what necessarily happens in the next 20 minutes or 20 years. This is the long story that Jesus is telling in the world of the kingdom that is coming and that we are a people who choose by the power of the Spirit to be embodiments of that kingdom now so that when the kingdom comes in its full force, we are a people who are prepared and ready and we are already living the ways of the kingdom and our life is already bringing to bear that life even now. In fact, we are part of the answer to God's prayer and it's absolutely foolish. And it is absolutely what we are invited to. Will you pray with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.